welcome to Deerhead Studios. This is 40 Below Zero, an international podcast about living with multiple sclerosis. I'm your co-host, Nick, and with me as always is my good friend, Terry. We're so glad all of our fellow MS warriors and supporters are here with us, so let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone, to episode number two. Terry, how are you? What's going on, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I am feeling the love from our listeners. That's for sure, man. It is so nice to hear all the positive comments from all these MS warriors and supporters. Yeah, I'm definitely getting good feedback. Yeah, definitely. I'm not one to take compliments. It's, uh, I'm always weird about that. I understand completely. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we're just, we're just trying to uh, have a conversation, you and I, and it turns out that... Uh, a lot of people uh, feel the same way that we do. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, it makes me feel good that we're not alone in this, you know? In this Very group. true. Yeah. So this week we're talking about, let's start with triggers. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. All right. Let's do I know that. that. I know that's a, uh, a topic that you bring up frequently. So why don't you take the, why don't you tell me about your triggers? We'll see how common we are. Man. <laughs> It's like, uh, it, it can be a comedy show with just triggers, right? Um, I mean, number one, it's different because I'm in a chair, so I have different triggers, you know? I mean, you're in a chair part-time, whatever, but there's a lot of people who aren't in a chair, so they wouldn't understand this. But definitely, main trigger is when someone touches the chair. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, touching the chair or leaning over me. You know, it's kind of the same thing to me. Really? They le- like physically lean over you? Oh my God, during like I'm not crazy, you know, with the COVID thing, but I kind of am, you know. Even yeah. if there was no COVID, yo, keep your distance, right? And then sure. at a grocery store, someone's leaning over me to get their apple. And it's, dude, it's so awkward because like wow. right there, and I'm staring at the guy and he's just ignoring me, you know, like, oh, this guy must be brain dead. <laughs> wow. So I mean, that's ignorant. The, the nerve of, of somebody like that. Is so ignorant, man. Definitely. Wow. But shit like that happens all the time. Like you now, know. what do you what do you say in that scenario? Uh, you know, Did you say anything. I have yes, but then I always feel bad for whoever I'm with because they're like they must be like, man, you're crazy. Just just leave it alone. So I kind of look around like, is somebody gonna say something for me, or am I gonna have to speak up and then look like the crazy guy? You know. And there has been times I say something and. Sometimes they look at me and just chuckle like, oh, you're making a big deal about it. I'm talking about the person actually leaning would wow. chuckle and say, you're making a big deal about it. You know, and then I'm, I'm kind of like, man, I wish somebody would step in and be like, you are an asshole. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, I mean, so I've had very limited experiences like that. I haven't had anybody lean over me. I have had people lean into the side of me in a crowded hallway when I'm stopped and they kind of just lean into me. Like, I don't know. It's like they lean into my tires. I'm like, really? Yeah. That's, that's weird. That is weird. They see a chair as a chair. They don't see it as a person. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. (laughs) But it is a part of my body. I know that sounds silly, but a lot of people who are in chairs say the same thing. It's a part of my body. It is my legs, you know. Another thing is getting into triggers. Thanks, Nick. Um, <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> when someone says to me, are you always in a chair? Mm. I'll tell you why that really bothers me. We're going to break okay. it down. Yeah. Why are they asking that question? Are they trying to, it's like a pre-judging question. I'm going to ask this question to know how much I'm going to judge you. Because if I say I'm always in a chair, then they're going to say, you know, in their head, they're going to be like, oh, okay, this guy is really in a chair. Now I can feel bad for him. But if I were to say, ah, sometimes, you know, sometimes at night, sometimes I'm not. What, what's the point? Now they're going to say, oh, I don't have to feel as bad for this guy. You know, I just feel like that question is, is set up for themselves. Now, I might just sound crazy for that, but no, I, you know what, honestly, I, to I totally agree with you. Um, I, I, I get where you're coming from. It's kind of like you, how are you the, the person asking the question is saying, uh, absolutely. How can I judge you? Or, um, how can I feel better about myself because I'm not in a chair? Yeah. 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 Like, so huh? when I, when I walk around. And I have my, my, either my cane or my crutches. I, like I said, I've said, I think in the last episode, I get what happened, but when I'm in the chair and I meet somebody new, they automatically assume that I'm there always. Yeah. So, so that if, so I guess they look at me as, I guess I get it. You, you look more disabled if you're in the chair to some degree. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Don't go straight to the person with the chair and help the person in the chair before <laughs> before someone in a walker. Yeah, true. You know, who's actually struggling in a walker, they will still look at the person in the chair. Funny, funny story about one to help people in chairs. Um, the other day I had gone to um the courthouse because I had to take care of some business. And um the courthouse does not have the most handicap accessible stalls because it was built, you know, so long ago. And yeah. so I'm in my chair because it's a, you know, it's a complex and there's no way I'm going to be able to walk it successfully. And I hit the button to open the door to the bathroom. I wheel yeah. myself in and there's a gentleman in there washing his hands. And I turned to go into the stall and I guess he wanted to be really helpful because he asked me, he said, uh, do you need any help while you're in there? <laughs> and I said, uh, no, I'm good, but thanks. <laughs> oh man. But, I, but there's been times when I walk in with my, my cane yeah. and nobody says a word. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird, man. That is weird. I don't know if I could even joke about that. If I was in there and tell the guy, yeah, sure. You want to come in? Yeah. I was like, well, how do you even answer that? That's weird. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe i don't know i don't even know maybe, the only well, thing they, anybody ever ask you no really but i no never that's crazy yeah i thought so too maybe open the door for me um you know but no he he said while you're in there do you need any help no that's weird i said no i'm good thanks that's weird i don't know i mean i'm sure it was coming from a place of wanting to be helpful dude that's i've never heard that before <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's weird. I don't know what to say. Like, I'm trying to think of the whole moment. And if someone said that to me, I'd look at him and be like, no. Yeah, like. <laughs> that's how I would say it. I'd just be like, no. What the fuck? Yeah, do you ask Do you ask anybody that they need help? Am I not? <laughs> do you ask everybody that comes in? 
I don't know, man. That's weird. So yeah, that's my funny story. <laughs> that's weird. I don't know. Uh, if you were, if you were, um, uh, the way, if you were a really, really big guy in the chair, mm-hmm. I don't think he would ask you. You think? Yeah. I think maybe because you're approachable. I'm not saying that he was trying to dig on you no. or anything. I'm just saying. No, I got you. You're approachable and, you know, you're uh, manageable if he had to help you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what his thought process was, but yeah, that's the that's the first time I've ever been offered assistance to yeah. that degree. How, how did you take it? Were you like, no, I'm good, man. I don't need your help. I was I was taken back, but I said, uh, I was like, uh, no, I'm good, but thanks. Yeah. And then I just kind of like awkwardly rolled into the stall. <laughs> man. Really quick story about washrooms. Mm-hmm. When I was at the casino once, there was a washroom that was out of order and it was the handicap washroom. Mm. And um, it was it was like the solo handicap washroom where you, you know, it's own washroom, right? It's not like a public washroom where there's a handicap stall. Right. I got you. So it was out of order. And uh, on the way out, I bumped into the manager and uh, I'm like, you're a manager. He's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, just curious. Why would that one be out of order when it's like, and then he started apologizing to me and whoever I was with. And I'm like, it's okay. I can just use the uh, public stall. And he thought that she was going to help me in the washroom. And that's what the purpose of that washroom is for. Wow. Do you understand what I'm saying? That washroom? I do. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm entitled to that washroom. But sure. if somebody needed assistance, like that guy is going to help you. <laughs> You know, you'd have to go to that washroom. You can't go to a public stall if I had a female with me. You know what I mean? Right. And and this guy, me and this guy would not have fit in the stall. Would not. <laughs> he would have had to stand on the chair. Yeah. Yeah. That is weird. That is crazy. So. Yeah. What other things trigger you? You know, another thing that triggers me as well is when What's someone's. That? You know, I say I have MS. Oh, I know someone with MS. Mm. Uh, or I know someone who died with MS. Mm. That triggers me. I don't know why, but when someone says, yeah, I know someone who died with MS. How does, how does, why does it, why do you think that triggers you? If uh, I had cancer, would you say I know someone who died with cancer? I know someone that died because of, you know, it just doesn't, no one would say that. Yeah, I think. It might, I'm 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 thinking that maybe it's that person's attempt to let you know that they connect, they have a connection, so that it doesn't you look at them and say they have no idea, but it doesn't help. No, but it no does, one with MS wants to hear that you know someone yeah. died because of MS. Yeah, it's not even a thing that can really happen. It's yeah, they say the complications of it, but. Mm-hmm. It, it's not necessarily that it's it's usually something else that was made worse by the ms yeah yeah we all know that we all know yeah. it's the complications or whatever but still when someone says it, it's like why are you saying this to me and i, I used to get that in the past all the time where mm. i know someone that oh my aunt had ms she died from it yeah and it's, it's not like, <laughs> yeah they, they obviously don't know no that but that if doesn't I, happen no, that honestly way. man if i had cancer if i had lung cancer if I had stage four lung cancer, someone's not going to be like, oh, my mom had stage four lung cancer. It just, I don't think that's, that's done before. Right. I don't know. Well, I think that 
like I said, I think that people want to make a connection with you. Yeah. Now, if the thing is, if you didn't have any chronic illness at all, if you didn't have MS or anything, then it would be super weird for people to talk about a relative that did have one because you don't have the connection to that community of folks. Yeah. Yeah. I get but, it. Yeah. Yeah. People who have the best intentions to empathize with you, mm -hmm. it usually, you, you can tell after the first, you know, 10 or 12 versions that you get when you're, after you're diagnosed that they're trying, that it comes from a good place, but somewhere along the line, it just kind of doesn't make a true connection. So you just kind of go, Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're honestly, like, yeah, honestly, I'm trying to always find faults from what people are saying. Right. It's like a new thing that I do. So I, a nurse was talking to me. I didn't even know she was a nurse. Actually, this lady was talking to me. This is when it happened. And she said, Oh, I have a friend that died from MS. And I was, I actually said, Hey, you can't really say that to me. That's not really right. You know, nurse, I was all huh? sensitive and, you know, like I spoke up and she said, good. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm a nurse and stuff like this is just so desensitized. And I totally understand what she means by that. I, I believe me. I understand what she means too. I used to work in, I used to work in public safety a lot, but the thing is you, the provider can become desensitized to it, but you still have to remember that nobody else is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, you may see a hundred MS patients in a week if you work at a, at an MS clinic or, or, you know, or 200 or whatever, but I only see me, the MS patient on a daily basis. And then I talk to you and then others like, and others in our community. But yeah. I don't know. I don't think that, I don't think that was fair of her because like I said, she can be desensitized, but she has to remember that we're not. Yeah. So I don't think that was fair. I, I, I think that's a, uh, that's a trigger moment too, for sure. Do you say something? You just let it go and just, um, you know, I, I, mean? I, if I was in that situation, I would just say, I'm very sorry to hear that that person that you knew passed. And then I would just move on. Yeah. And if there but was in, friend then i guess you'd coach the friend mm -hmm. oh yeah and then internally i would be like are you kidding you know i'd be flipping out inside my head but that's that's my yeah. personality i don't i know that the majority of people that you and i and and everybody else in our community run into mm -hmm. really don't understand and they really just need to be educated is what it is and um you know it is it is ms awareness week down here in the states nice um started today the 12th actually recording oh, this really? on sunday yep oh okay i thought it was uh the whole month like well it is it, it is the whole month but it, it is the whole month but this is the specific week so i know i'm aware terry are you aware of your ms <laughs> i'm totally aware man okay <laughs> so we got the awareness down yeah yeah that is okay and and you know what for as much as we're talking about these we are we are definitely only scratching the surface. There's like uh, thousands of things that, that upset people who, who are, you know, who are MSers or who are, who have whatever chronic illness that they're dealing with um, that people don't even realize that they're doing it. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's our, we're in a position, you and I specifically, um, we're in a position to, to be the educators and to be the ambassadors now is it our responsibility to be? No. 
but should we? Yes. And I think I do that so that maybe the next time they run into somebody who's not me, they kind of go, oh, okay, I know what I did last time and now I know better. Don't get me wrong. I don't battle everything I see or hear, you know? It just, these are just funny stories where I'm like, oh, yeah. wow. But for the oh, most part, me. I'm a cheery guy in, in public, you know? And then mm -hmm. I, I do wait for someone to say something stupid so I can have it on my, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my script, my routine of like, oh, I can't wait to tell everyone about this one. Yeah. And believe me, the, the, the guy in the bathroom was definitely a trigger. It was definitely like, whoa, how, how, almost like, how, how dare you ask me? But, yeah, I know why he did. So I That's only weird. have, I only have one mm -hmm. real trigger that I can't get over. Mm -hmm. It's very, I don't know. It hit, it hit very hard. Um, and it still does when I think about it. Um, I don't know if you want to segue into uh disease modifying therapies, Let's do but it. Mm -hmm. so Disease modifying therapies or DMTs is, you know, as you know, basically what we, what, what the group of medications are called. And my big trigger was, or is the escalation style of treatment. Uh, are you familiar with that? Not really. Okay. Um, I, I just want to know one thing. Have you ever heard of DMTs before the DMTs? Before MS, before yeah. I was diagnosed, Sorry, absolutely yes, not. Before MS, okay, cool. Okay, no, no clue. DMTs is that also used for other illnesses, or is this just an MS thing? Uh, you know what? I don't know. All it right. might be. Uh, if, hey, if anybody who's listening and if you've heard that before, please email us info at four t below zero dot com. Yeah, for sure. Um, let I'd us like know. know. Yeah, yeah, I would like to know too. Cool. Um, so the escalation style of ms treatment is the one that we're most from that is most widely used and that we are most familiar with you probably just didn't know it had a name and that is the style of treatment when you're first diagnosed the neurologist or what whomever the healthcare provider is says well let's start with this medication because it's the most tried and true and it's the most tolerated by the most people because it's been around for the longest yeah it, it's not the hardest hitting that's out there um and that's why it's so toler tolerable and we're going to start there and so okay. you start like i did i started on a medication and i took it for eight months mm -hmm. uh, actually closer to a year do you want to get and, the name uh sure uh, I was, so I was, I was put on Copaxone, which is hundred percent common. Many people are put on it when they start. It's a, it's an injectable, uh, it's a sub Q injectable. Okay. So it's a, it's a needle that goes in, it doesn't go all the way to your muscle, but it goes under your skin mm -hmm. and you inject, I injected that once a day in various location. They had a whole grid you had to follow. They gave you this cool notebook and everything. So yeah. Every um, day. Every day I had to take wow. an injection in a different location. Now I think it's different. I, I haven't been on it in a while. And I think it's once every three days or even once a week, they've, they've changed it a bit. Okay. So don't hold me to that. But when I was on it, it was once a day. Okay. Um, then after eight months or so, I had an MRI and they said, well, uh, we see disease progression. 
And I said, okay, what does that mean? And they said, well, we're going to switch you off the drug. Mm -hmm. And then I went to a drug called Abagio, yep. which was a pill, which is again, fairly common. Uh, another six months uh, to a year went by. I got another MRI and they said, okay, we see more lesions. So this drug isn't working. Mm -hmm. So let's step up to infusion. So that's when I started on Tysabri. Yeah. And you know about Tysabri, right? Were you on Tysabri? Uh, no, they asked me to okay. go on it. Okay. But so every, oh, what, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I okay. heard about all the other drugs. Just the only one is Tysabri that they wanted me to go on. But anyway. Oh, okay. So that's every 28 days you take an infusion for about an hour, hour and a half. Also, toler I've tolerated all these. I tolerated all these medications. Great. I had no side effects. I got a little sleepy after I took the infusions, but that was about it. Um, mm -hmm. And I took that for four years, four and a half years. I was on that okay. every 28 days. And I had a little bit of progression every year. And by that, I mean, um, notice more, more lesions that what, were. What did, what did your neurologist say about that? Well, he, he was, he said, well, we don't know what type of MS you have yet. You, you technically, you still have relapse remitting, but with all these new lesions that keep showing up, um, it's looking like you have secondary progressive, like it's looking like it's, it's moving. So let's, uh, let's keep you on this drug. Is that what's going right. on? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but at the time that was it there yeah. at, at back then there was, that was top tier Yeah. yeah. other, other than switching to. Um, the one you were on, right? The beta seron. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I heard Tisabri was even better than that. Avanex has been around for a long time, but anyway. Yeah. Um. So they were thinking about beta seron and all that stuff, but they, yeah. they he did, we didn't want to go that route because Tisabri was still doing its thing. Mm -hmm. Then a whole bunch of chaos happened, and I ended up coming off Tisabri because my JC numbers went up a little bit. Yeah. Um. And for those who don't That's know. Scary. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. It was it, definitely scary. Um, even though, even though it only moved up like 0.2 on whatever chart that they were testing, they were like, Oh, that's high enough. You got to get off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for those who are listening, who don't know the JC virus, is, if left unchecked in the brain is what could potentially lead to that PML that you hear about on all the commercials. Um, no, so nobody wants to talk about it because it's not reversible. This is yeah, what I hear. Oh Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. When they say PML could lead to disability or, or death, when you're yeah. telling it, when you're telling a disabled person that the medication you're about to take could potentially make you disabled, you think, well, that means it's going to go real bad. Dude, that's why I didn't do it, but it was in the beginning stages. It was like 2010 when they introduced sure. it to me. Mm -hmm. So it was what we're talking about 13 years ago and right. It was only out for two years, so they didn't have stats past two years, and they did not have the blood work to check if you have – is it to check if you have – I don't know, to see if – It's to see if the JC virus is, is, is going up. No, to see if it's – some people have – oh, man, now I'm going to sound like an idiot. Some people have <laughs> something fine. in their body that they can check. And if you mm. have it, then you're definitely not going on the drug. If you don't, then they're like, okay, let's try oh, it. Oh, it's a uh, hepatitis B. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hep B. You got to get a hep B test. So, uh, yeah, okay. So, anyway, that's scary, man. The PNL yeah. is the only Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that. Yep. So, my, my number went up a little bit, and my neurologist was like, hey, that's scary. 
we got to come off this because it's starting to head that way. Like it didn't move enough to be like, I'm, I'm not, I'm clear. It went back down after obviously, I stopped. Yes, yeah. Obviously, yeah. So he said, we're going to go to Okravis. So I've been on Okravis for about three years now. Again, tolerated it really well. Three um, years, man. Okay. Yeah. I'm starting on year three. Did you meet anyone at the infusion clinic? You know what? Uh, when I was on Tysabri, I was there every month. So I met a lot of people who had MS who were there for the same medications that I was. Yeah. Um, but since I've been on Okravis, I'm only there six hours a year, thankfully. So I don't meet many people. When you're there, do you meet anybody? Uh, I, we, I do. We're, we're sitting in an infusion center. It's, you know, it's just a bunch of chairs in a room mm -hmm. with a nurse's station in the middle. So, I mean, you're there for a while and some people are getting some other treatments. Oh, that's and they're right. there. That's yeah. Right. Some, okay. there's some people are doing blood transfusions. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on up there. So you, you have nothing but time. And, yeah, yeah. It, you know, some people are very talkative and they want to tell you their whole life story like me. Yeah, me and, too. I'm there. <laughs> and yeah. if I run into somebody who's like me, it, it goes very quickly. Um, but if I'm, if I'm not, then I'm just listening to my music. It can get kind of, it can take a while. I mean, it's, Okravis is three hours, three and a half hours per infusion. Oh, okay. It's only three and a half hours. Not saying that it's only three and a half hours, <laughs> but it's not, it's not like a whole day process. That's what I mean. No, it's, you got to get your pre-meds loaded in. You got to sit there, you got to, and then, then you got to sit there afterwards for an hour to make sure that you don't have any side effects right away. Yeah. Yeah. So the very long story, I apologize, but this is my trigger. My trigger is that since I started at a, I, I don't like to use the term weaker drug, but you know, it's, it's definitely not the hardest hitting drug. And then I had to step up every time I had disease progression I never thought about this till about a, a six months ago when I was listening to somebody else talk about it, a doctor that I follow. Mm -hmm. He made the point that I, I've actually suffered irreversible brain damage in the form of lesions waiting to go to a more effective drug. Okay. I had to, I had to physically suffer brain damage for my, for my drug to increase. I'm trying to understand this. I kind of do, but not really. Okay, so you're saying when you had when you when you were switching drugs, when I was on Copaxone, the first drug that I was yes. prescribed, yeah, my I suffered disease progression in the form of lesions, which is brain damage. Okay, only only after the brain damage happens do the doctors say, okay, now you can try a stronger medication. So I have to get, I have to be physically injured in my brain to get a more effective medication. Are you saying this is happening to everybody or just, just Every, you? everybody, who, everybody who's on the escalation style. Oh my God. I've never heard this now. I just wrote it down. I got to look it up, man. Every, every person with any chronic illness, especially MS yeah. that starts off with, I, I hate saying the weakest drug. But I'll say the drug that's most tolerated because it is not the hardest hitting. You know, every time we get lesions, our brain shrinks, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about for lesions before they give you a better drug. So they put me on Avinex the first time. Mm-hmm. That's I guess the base drug. And then from there I went to Rebif. Mm-hmm. 
don't now, know. why did you go? Why did you go to Rebus? I don't know. Honestly, it was the silliest thing. I was on Avenex for like not even two months. Mm -hmm. And they were like, um, how are you doing? Do you get flu-like symptoms? I'm like, yeah, I do actually. Every Sunday I take it. The next day I'm, you know, flu-like symptoms, totally. So they said, oh, you better stop that. We better switch you on to Rebif. Right. Because they were afraid that your immune system was suffering some kind of damage. So they said, this isn't right. And they moved you. Yes. Okay. So every MSer who yeah. starts off with any drug and then has to step up, quote unquote, has yeah. to step up to the next drug, the next drug, like I did. Yeah. You're you're physically, you're getting worse before they give you harder medication or stronger medication. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So that's my, that's my trigger. My trigger is the fact that I didn't know to say, wait a minute, why don't we just jump to the top? So if you're dad with it was a neurologist would he jump you to the top well yeah probably but i mean i know i didn't so never thought of that so what's happening now is what i see now is i see more and more doctors and neurologists talking to newly diagnosed people saying we should start you with okravis because that's that's the top tier right now or tysabri like you know they're right there yeah. With an infusible or beta seron or whatever, yeah. whatever the, the, the strongest medication that you can tolerate, we're going to start there. Even if you're in your early twenties, even if you're a teenager, mm -hmm. we're going to start there because why wouldn't you go to war with this thing with the biggest weapon you have? Man. So who are you upset at? I'm upset at me. I'm upset at my neurologist. I'm upset with this whole school of thought that existed before I got diagnosed because everybody thought that was the way to do it. This is something right? we can talk hours about. Yeah. Cause I don't know if I'm on that page, man. I just think that they didn't have enough knowledge. Right. And that's, and that's, but that's my trigger. My trigger is yeah, yeah, yeah. starting at point a, when we could have started, started at point D. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was, you know, I was only 33 when I started. We, we could have started with the bazooka. We could, we could bazooka my uh, immune system and see how it responds. Yeah. So no, I hear you. I hear you. I'd be upset too. I get what that's, you're saying. So that, that's my, that's my big trigger. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, I don't know what the thought process is, man. I, I'm all over the place with these neurologists. I mean, if anyone's listening to me, if any doctors listen to me, I respect all doctors. Sure. It's just, I just don't know what the thought process is. When are you considered secondary progressive? Do they look at the MRI and say, oh, you're clearly secondary progressive. If I get a uh, another doctor to analyze it, would they say, no, I believe you're still relapse remitting. Right. Is that, is that how they do it? It's all based on opinions? Well, kind of. There is data that they use. But I had, I had a neurologist explain it to me like this. I have Nick type MS. <laughs> you have Terry type MS. Yeah. The specific box that we have to check is basically for the insurance companies. Because my MS is going to do what it does and it's totally different than yours. And if so, it has the same, if it has the same name where it's going to act different anyway. We're giving, we're giving them a timeline, but instead of saying the actual timeline, we're going relapse remitting. So, you know, right. it's, yeah, we don't know what's happening. And it was also explained to me that if a person has 
periods of time in their life where they do not experience any symptoms from the MS, that's remission. So if you get to a point where you say, I know I have it, but I don't feel it, that's remission. But if you always have it and it's always something you're dealing with and it's always getting slowly worse and worse by symptomatic or whatever they can measure on a test, well, then that's progression. And that's kind of where they draw the line, I think. So when you're in a wheelchair, you're automatically progression. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Hmm. It's what is the disease doing and is it getting harder for you to get through your day? That's the progression. Because you can, because you can suffer damage. You, you see my point, though. Like I do, I do see your point. An opinion now. So when someone asks mm-hmm. me, it's just like I don't know. So yeah, when somebody says what what type of MS do you have, just say I have Terry MS. <laughs> yeah, it's serious. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get. You're it. the only. You're the only you, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's my big trigger, buddy. So I just say relapse remitting, secondary progressive, whatever you want it to be. Sure. Yeah, man, I understand. I understand that. I, I'm I'm sorry that you went on all these drugs and um, they keep bumping you up. I don't know. I don't know if that's a fact. That's BS, man. That they're well, it's the only school of thought they had. They said, let's go. Let's attack BS. it safely. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense from a safety point of view where they say, okay, let's let's give you the safest drug that we know of. And if it if it does great and it stops it there, well then great. Yeah. But if it doesn't, then we go to the next drug. And if that doesn't work, and the next, then the next. But yeah. n- now they're starting to say uh what what oncologists for cancer do. They just an- they just annihilate, they just go as hard as they can right off the bat. And now MS doctors are starting to do the same thing, which I think is great. I'm just triggered because I missed that boat. I would have loved to have started with the hardest drug I could have. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's happening with Avenex? What's happening with Rebif? Are they taking that off the market? Uh, I don't know. Is that up? I think that's a, that's a Canada thing. Uh, oh, oh, you don't, huh? You've never heard Avenex is not American. No, no, it is. But I think taking it off the market is a Canadian thing. Oh. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not affected down here, but we'll have to look into that. Okay. That's weird, man. Yeah. So that was a deep dive into triggers and DMTs today. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy that if you stuck with us this whole time, I'm very happy that you're here. Um, I think uh, I think we did a, a good knock on it for a week. What do you think? Yeah, I think I rambled, and I think we we, uh, <laughs> we touched on a lot of these. Uh, we did, too. yeah, for sure. We did, and and please, like, if you're if you're when you, one of our listeners and you want to communicate with us, uh, Terry, how, how do they get us on our socials? You remember? I remember. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we got our Instagram account, guys. Uh, of course, forty below zero. We got Twitter, forty below zero. It's all new, new social stuff happening. So we're building mm-hmm. up uh, our accounts right now, and we got our website, forty below zero.com, and you can go on there and find our email address, Perfect. which is. Info at 40belowzero.com. Yep. And we'll have show links up there for Spotify. I believe we're on Google Podcast now. So please like, follow, share, tell everybody, anybody that you want to have listen to us ramble about our lives. I'm glad awesome. to have them. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right, buddy. Until next time. Talk to you soon, man.